Good to be in church with you today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek. People call me PD. Say, what's up, PD? Nice job, nice job. Uh, I want to welcome you to Connect. I also want to welcome our online viewers. And can we also give it up for our Framingham campus, our Fram fam. What's going on, peeps? We're so glad you're with us. We are one church, uh, two locations. In the future, many locations. Amen. Got to make those faith statements every now and then. Uh, this is my first uh, day back in the new year, and uh, it's good to be back. I, I, I had a bout with the flu, and thank God the flu has flown. Man, don't you appreciate your health, you know, when you lost it for a little while and you, you start getting it back? And so uh, I got some energy back and, and uh, appetite back because I lost a little bit of weight. And, uh, but I do sound like Brian Adams, so everybody get ready. It's going to cut like a knife all service long, okay? So um, I have a quick announcement that I want to bring to you guys today. Uh, and we call this No Excuse Sunday. It's coming up on February 3rd. Um, how do I say this with m- few words? This is an important Sunday for our church where we kind of do uh, a, a little bit of a census. Like we try to get a, you know, some of it's metric oriented and some of it's engagement oriented. We're trying to get a sense of who calls this church home, um, you know, who is, who is connected, who is engaged. And then it's also a vision Sunday. And so... What's really important is the church so that we grow and we move forward. If you consider this your spiritual family, is that we all have the same vision. And so it's kind of like, you know, playing football on that day. It'll be Super Bowl Sunday. But the quarterback calls a play and and everybody doesn't know the play. Then we're all over the place. And so we need to know the playbook. And so that's kind of an important Sunday. It will be a captivating Sunday. So it's not like a boring Sunday. It's actually a very exciting Sunday. And so I would just ask that if this is your church, that you would make this a top priority to be there on February 3rd. We call it No Excuse Sunday. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's no excuse for not being in church on February 3rd, okay? So it's a priority. So, if, so our church is a, is, a, is a get to, not a got to. It's a want to, not a have to. So like 99% of the time, hey, if you don't want to be here, I get it. Go someplace else where you feel, you know, uh, you'll get yourself a pizza and, you know, and get some donuts. Whatever you want to do on Sunday morning. But if this is, there's just once in a while, you got to have a little commitment. Can I have an amen from, from somebody? Like you gotta, if you don't ask for it, you won't get it. So, uh, you know, outside, historically, outside of Easter Sunday, this is one of our biggest Sundays of the year. Um, and so we're just trying to get, get some, you know, big picture things across to you guys. And so that'll be an important Sunday, No Excuse Sunday. Today we're starting a new series entitled what? Transformed. And so kind of the behind the scenes on this is how to stay an original and not become a copycat or a copy or something else other than what God originally intended for you to be. And uh, this series is based on a text from Romans chapter 12. You can take your worship guides out, and and I'm going to encourage you to take notes in a substantial way in just a minute. But uh, the scripture is familiar, but I want you to see something, to some, it's familiar. I want you to see something inside this scripture. The Bible says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then it goes on. To say, then you can know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. Some people want to know, what's my purpose? What's God's will for my life? Well, first of all, you know, first one says, present your body as a living sacrifice. So you got to surrender your life to him. He gave his life for you. Literally, by dying, you live your life for him alive. Sacrificially as unto the Lord. Then you continue to find his will and purpose for your life. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, Renew your mind, and that's how you're going to be transformed to God's plan and perfect plan for your life. So if you want to know God's perfect plan for your life, surrender, live for him, and don't conform to the pattern of this world. That's really, and then what happens is over time, you will begin to see his perfect, pleasing, um, specific, personal will of God for your life. That's just a short way to know how do I know God's purpose for my life. But you can see in this scripture, there are two choices. We can either conform or we can be transformed. Now, conform means to the ways of the world. Everything in, your, in the culture you live in today, in the conditions you're in today, are trying to get you to conform to a different pattern than God's pattern for you. God does things through principles and patterns all through the scripture. 
And so God wants you to be transformed. That's God's will for your life is to be transformed. But you have to have some kind of mind renewal. It's not transactional, something you just acquire. I'm going to study for a test. I'm going to read a couple nice lines out of a poem. I'm going to recite them 12 times a day. No, no, no. This is, it's an internalization kind of uh, uh, what happens over time. You get like, you get a little re- revelation for that. It's like it, it pops in your spirit and it changes you from the inside out. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. God's created you, though, in a nutshell, not to be like somebody else. He created you. We're going to see snow pretty soon. Hallelujah. But... Uh, <laughs> But when we do, every snowflake, as you know, is unique. It's amazing. That's incredible, incredible thought. But you are too. You are not a copy. You are a masterpiece according to Scripture. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do something incredible, which he prepared in advance. Even before you came to be, he created you to do something amazing. That's what Ephesians 2.10 tells us. All right? But sometimes we end up becoming a copy. We become a conglomeration of what other people uh, suppose us to be, pressure us to be, condition us to be. We become kind of a copy. And culture can do that to us as well. And so I want you to see that God has an original intent for, intent for you. So what do we need to do? Make sure we're not conformed to the world. Avoid that choice and make sure we're transformed by the things of God. Amen. So we're going to talk about some key areas that transform us. We're going to talk about transform relationships and what a transformed church looks like, you know, on No Excuse Sunday. We're going to talk about kind of how to transform our work and life, kind of that work-life balance thing that we always talk about and what's God's perspective on that. We're going to talk about how to transform our thoughts and our feelings and deal with some of the stress that's in our life. And we need to learn how to handle stress in the culture and the world in which we live. But in order to accomplish something new, to change, to become something different than we were last year, let me, let me say something parenthetically. I just thought just came racing in my, my brain. I, I just think that when you're, hopefully you're thinking about different ways to be different this year. Hopefully that, that you're just not on cruise control. You're not on, I think Jason used this in the first service. I didn't hear him in the second, but you're not on cruise control in your life. Hopefully you're, you're, you're kind of like thinking about how is this year going to be different than last year? And it can look different for different people. We'll unpack some of that today. But for some of you, the typical, if you're a 20, 10, 25, 10, 20 year Christian, this is something I hear a lot as a pastor. I want to learn more, pastor. I want to learn more. I want to learn more. And I would just say to you as a 5, 10, 15, 20 year Christian, the answer is probably not learn more. It's probably lead more. And then, and then some of you, you know, have been a Christian just a little while. You maybe need to love more. Like you might need to get far more in love with God before you can even start to learn some. You, don't, don't get all about, don't just get all about, you need to learn some stuff too. So it's kind of like a progression, love, learn, lead. Where are you in that? Like I love other things more than I love God. Well, that, that's your first step is to start putting God first in your life. Then you need to start learning. So you can't really learn something until you love someone. Did you get that, everybody? So you, you, you're not going to be interested in learning about that until you're actually like, wow, that person is awesome, and they changed my life. And so love, learn, lead. Where are you? And begin to move forward in that process and in that journey. That's just a little sidebar. Couldn't help myself. So to start a new habit, though, uh, to change, to, to, to change direction sometimes or improve uh, our direction, let's just say, we, we learn in different ways, so we have to learn how we learn. And I think sometimes we're not aware of how we learn. And this is super simple, but there's kind of like four basic styles. You're probably going to fall into one of these or maybe even have a combination of two. <coughs> Excuse me. But some people learn, you know, through their eye gate. It's kind of like, you know, kind of what I see, you know, and, and monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. And you're a visual learner. You're, you want to watch it. You want to see it. You want to read about it. Uh, that's kind of how you learn. Some people don't learn like that. Some people are, are more of an a, of a auditory learner or an ear gate kind of learner. You got you to gotta hear. And, and people that are more of this auditory learner, that's why you love church, because you can sit still while I instill. You're just, and, and you're processing stuff, and you're picking up stuff just from hearing. And it's awesome. That, that's the way you're wired. Uh, there are other people that are not like you, and it's just going in one ear, and it's just going right out the other right now. In fact, you don't even know what I just said. <laughs> you're like, huh, squirrel, what? You know, it just went, it went right over your head. 
uh, right through your ears, I should say, through your head. And so some of you are the oral, some of you are more uh, the visual, some of you, excuse me, some of you auditory, some of you visual, some of you are oral learners. In other words, you learn by talking. And so to work it out, you got to talk it out. In fact, you, are, you don't have convictions and beliefs until you begin to talk about it. You start talking about it, you start forming convictions and beliefs as you begin to talk about it. If you're this kind of a learner, uh, you, don't, you don't know what you're going to say sometimes, but as you say it, you're like, hey, I like that. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and you just like that. And so you're, you're a person probably like small group because you're not here listening to one person. Everybody gets to talk, and, and we can't wait to talk, and, and, and people like that for small group. And so some people learn like that. Now, some people don't learn... Uh, by listening. Some people don't learn by seeing. Some people don't learn by talking. These people are men. <laughs> right? Come on, everybody. You know what I'm talking about. Those are men. That's what we call men. It's half the population, okay? Men like to learn stuff by doing it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to listen. You know what I mean? I don't want to see. I just want to get it done. And so we're kind of hands-on. There's not, there's not a guy in the world that ever learned how to play football by reading a manual. It's just like, let's just toss that baby around. Just come on, let's get it, let's get it, let's get it going. Whoo! You know what I mean? Just, we want to play. We want to putt. We want to shoot some hoops. And that's how we figure it out. You know, if it's something electrical, you know, we're like, box, rip it out. Oh, it's TV. It's got to go up here on the wall somewhere. We, we didn't even see the manual. We're like, we're doing the bubble things, you know, pop, oh, this is awesome, you know, and then we move on, and, and then we get the bubble thing up, and we don't care if we get electrocuted three times, it's still fun, because at the end of it, we're going to watch the ESPN, it's going to be all right. We figure things out that way. The point is, we all learn in different ways. Turn to your neighbor and say, we all learn in different ways. And so you need to learn the way that you learn. You need to wait, learn the way that you learn. Now, two things I'm going to say about this. One is, we all learn, however we learn, by reinforcement. We all learn however we learn by reinforcement. You can't just say it once and it's over and done. There's no one and done. You can't say it once. You can't hear it once. You can't see it once. You can't talk about it once. I wish sometimes we could talk about it once. I really do. Ladies. I'm, just, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> My wife's in Framingham. <clears throat> Campus today. Hallelujah. But, 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 but what trumps reinforcement, uh, or comes alongside, I should say, reinforcement is something different that you need to know for you to learn. And that's why it is good to be in church, it is good to, to engage, is that you learn by hearing the Word of God. See, the Word of God is different than letters on paper. The Word of God is different than a movie you could watch or a song you could listen to or things like that. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So your faith is built up by actually hearing the Word of God. It's also built up by speaking the Word of God. It's actually built up by doing the Word of God. Don't be hearers only, but be ye doers of the Word of God. Faith and action, the Bible talks about in the book of James. When you do all of those things, it begins to transform you. But the Word of God has both spirit... It's like like water to your dry and weary soul. It's food to your undernourished part of your spirit. You need to get in the word and have high doses of the word at all different kinds of ways. And however you learn best, you should get high doses of that. But even in those other areas that you don't learn best, the word is different than any other thing that you can listen to or hear. Can I have an amen? And so that's, that's, that's going to help some people out there. Now, why is it important... Um, kind of to have these things reinforced. It's important because we forget, listen to this, this is so, ugh, we forget 90 to 95% of what we hear in the first 72 hours. That is the most disgusting statistic for any pastor on the planet. I remember when I heard that statistic for the first time, I was like, I'm out. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, I'm done. You know, like, that is awful. In other words, you could be here for 20 years as a member of this church, and 95% of whatever I'm trying to instill while you sit still, only 5% was retained. <sighs> when I heard that, I wanted to put real wine in communion and go through the line many, 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 many times. You know? <laughs> the, the, the thing that changes that outcome is unless you write it down. So I'm going somewhere. Some of you hear my little line, note takers are? That's not just to be clever. I'm actually trying to teach you something that's so important. It's so important. I'm just trying to get you to think about a new habit this year because first we form habits, then habits form us. Maybe this year you could think about, I don't know, just discuss it. It's a recommendation. You take some notes. 
you actually take some notes. That's what these little handouts that we give you are all for, because a lot of lives can be changed. In fact, where's Kristen? Kristen here? So Kristen, she's got a mic, right? All right. This is my sister in Christ, Kristen, right? Now, Kristen, when did you start coming to Connect? 2015. 2015. So you've been here about three years. And Kristen, how many services do you think you missed since 2013? Um, 15? The only ones we missed were when we were actually in Brazil, physically out of the country, or when we tried to move to Florida for a month. Unacceptable. Go sit down. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> this is a seriously committed, dedicated person. But what I, what I will say on her behalf is she came in. What, what was your background? You came in. Uh, what was your church background or faith background? Catholic. And so did you ever learn, you know, a lot when you were in there? No, yeah, I would actually right. try to skip CCD. <laughs> did you consider yourself biblically literate when you were kind of going? I knew yeah. nothing. My husband grew up Christian. And I have a friend that grew up Christian. And they would go, oh, what's in the Bible? What's in the Bible? I'm like, how do you know so much? They're like, what's in the Bible? I'm like, Catholic? You don't learn that at all. So. This isn't a knock on Catholicism. We could say this about a lot of other faiths. You could even say it about Christian experience in church as well. It's just this was her experience from where she was to kind of where she is. How would you say in a few words uh, taking notes in church has helped you grow? It has changed my life dramatically. Um, I will, something will pop in my head. I was like, oh, I remember he said that. And I'll, I'll go back in my notes and find it, for example. Um, I remember one service, PD said something, oh, you have to say this at a funeral, this is good to say at a funeral, and I wrote it down, and my grandmother passed away this past year, and I remember, and I went through my notes, I found it, and I read it at her funeral. What you said. Do you find yourself, isn't that awesome? Do you find yourself, like, do your, does your appetite increase for what you're receiving or decrease when you're taking notes? It increases. I, yeah. I just want more. Sometimes I can't even finish writing my notes because then you move on to a better point. Or you can guys can come point. see this after church, <laughs> but they have the worship guides, you know, in here. Um, there's another girl in our church that has like four years of this. And so you have the outlines that we send and then they add extra notes. They bring extra sheets of paper to take more notes. And this is a part of their devotion, but she has every single message of every series uh, that she's yes. taken notes on. And so discipleship can take place just by coming to church. And I'm just trying to get you to see uh, how an increase in engagement you know, move from love to learn, maybe some of you to lead. But if, it's amazing how when people begin to lead, you get to, you get to discover how much they actually learn. And a lot of people won't lead because they don't feel like they know enough, but they won't do enough to actually learn so they can eventually lead. Does that make sense? And so this is just a tremendous testimony. We're so proud of you, Thank Kristen. Thank you. Can you guys give her a big hand? That's just awesome. <laughs> You know, I spend, uh, in, and a lot of ministers do less or more. Some people do more or less, whatever. I spend about 16 hours a week preparing for a message for a Sunday. So talk for like 40 minutes and put 16 hours of prepping that. I used to just do more than that. I used to do less too, but, um, and it showed. <laughs> um, but, but I spend time um, trying to craft statements that are memorable, transferable, portable for you so you can kind of kind of pick them up and go with them. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, because of Bible study and some things you learn from other people, you get these pearls of wisdom or whatever that can really, you feel like when you're, when you're going through this, because I'm engaged in the, in the word of God, you feel like this can change somebody's life. I'm so fired up right now. And then I go and I preach those things and I throw out those pearls of wisdom and they just go boing. You know, they just bounce off people's heads. I know that's happening. And, and, and so you may look spiritual to me, but you remember nothing. And I'm not just saying you. Sometimes I can't remember what I preached the very next week either, even though I spoke it three times, unless I wrote it down. But because I take notes and because I write things down, and I have tons of notes for things. And because of that, there's a greater growth because I'm fully engaged in it. So I just really want to encourage you guys. The shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. Amen? Consider taking notes, all right? Okay, here we go. I'm not trying to beat you up but I, you know, and, and, and make you feel condemned, but I am trying to poke a little bit. We call that the Pillsbury Dough Poke. Hallelujah. So today's message is entitled Setting Goals. Setting Goals, I have 20 minutes to do this. And so let me give you kind of the secret sauce, I think, for uh, outcomes is, first of all, knowing why we set goals. And so I want to kind of give you kind of six reasons setting goals can change your life, some of the why behind it. Number one, write this down. Goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. <clears throat> it's a stewardship that can be an act of worship. 
It's a stewardship that can be an act of worship. Actually, in the Bible, we see it all over the place. God set goals. God set goals for eternity. God set goals for history. God set uh, uh, goals for your life personally. We see this all throughout the Bible. God, uh, you can see people, people of God setting goals in the scripture. In fact, one, one great example was the Apostle Paul. I love this particular text. And you can see the Apostle Paul set goals. He said, I know that I'm not what God wants me to be. Has anybody ever said something like that before? Or felt that way or thought that thought? That's what I love about the Bible is the identification of it, the relevance of it. We need to be able to say at the end of this, I'm not where I want to be in 2019, but I'm not where I used to be in 2018. Can you say that? Because if you can't say that, it's probably because you don't have goals. You don't have goals. God wants you to have goals. He said, I haven't reached that goal, but I keep moving toward it to make it mine because Christ made me and saved me for this. See, Christ saved you for a purpose. You're not just here to suck air, take up space, and abuse God's grace. You're here for a purpose. Everybody say, I'm here on purpose. And so I have to live on purpose. So I know that I haven't yet reached my goal, that goal, my goal, but there is one thing I always do. Forgetting the past. So, okay, 2018's gone. Now what do I do? i got to move forward. I strain toward what is ahead. I keep my eyes focused on what? The goal. So I got that goal, my goal, the goal, so that I may one day win the prize that God has called me to receive through Christ in the life above. Why do I set goals? Because at the end of goals are always rewards. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Is everybody with me? So you might want to circle those three things <coughs> in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, that goal, my goal, the goal. You can see the Bible talks about the importance of goals and I, I want you to see those because if you don't have a goal you will go through your life uh, and live by default but God wants you to go through your life by design he's designed you a certain way and with that design comes a certain destiny a certain outcome a certain uh, you know place he wants you to go and people he wants you to see and things that he wants you to do but if you don't have goals you will default to you if you don't choose where you're going somebody else is going to choose where you're going if you don't paddle in the right direction you are you are going to uh, ultimately drift in the wrong direction it's just the life of tides you know life is is motion you don't stay the same you can't just tread water you know, here forever. No, you're never be, you're going to drown or you're going to get up out of the water and do something great for God. So if you don't have a goal, you actually do have a goal, and that is other people's goals are going to rule your life. Other people will choose how you're using your life without goals. So the Bible tells us to be spiritually mature. You must have spiritual goals. Number two, write this down. Are you getting something out of this? <coughs> goals are a statement of faith. I love this point. Every time you make a goal, you're making a statement of faith. I believe I'm going to do such and such. I declare I'm going to do such and such by such and such a time. Those are statements of faith. When you speak things out, you make certain declarations. You write something down. Remember when my wife wrote down on a piece of paper and put it on our mirror, a vision for our house that we were believing for. It was on that mirror for five years. It got all crinkly, you know, all around it. You know what I mean? It looked like parchment from the, you know, Old Testament, you know. And, but that baby was in front of us day in and day out. We kept seeing that thing that we declared. When we walked into that house one day, I'll never forget it as long as I live. We both looked at each other and we said before anything was even transpired, we said, this is the house. Because we already saw it. We already had, we already had a goal. We already had a vision for that. Some things like Habakkuk 2.2 says you have to write them down. And speak, them, speak things that be not as though they were. That's what goals do. They are faith statements. Goals stretch you. If you don't stretch uh, physically, you will begin to lose your mobility. Trust me, I know a little bit about that. I used to be a heavy squatter. A squ you know, I just used to, I didn't just used to pick things up and put them down. I used to, you know, press things, you know, on my back. And, and, and what happened is I abused my body because I didn't stretch because I didn't stretch, it did harm to my body. And ultimately, I, I can, now I can't even get under a bar without, like, it's just, it's epic to try to get under a bar because I've lost a lot of my mobility. Some of you have spiritually lost your mobility because you stopped stretching in your faith. You don't believe for the things that you once believed for. There was a day you believed for this, and now you can barely believe for this. Why? You stopped stretching. You stopped believing God. It's done harm to you spiritually 
because you and you've lost a certain spiritual mobility to be able to in him we move and have our being and follow and be led by the spirit of God you can't do that anymore because you haven't been stretching you don't have these goals how are you planning to stretch this year is it even on your mind have you set aside some time? My wife and I just put aside some time uh, uh, right after Christmas, and we, we talked for like three hours. First of all, we had our own time, personally, just praying through like goals and for us personally, for our marriage, for our family, for our church. We, do you have goals for your church? Is that even on your list? Do you, you know, and, and we were writing certain affirmations out, and I'm still working on that during the fast, things I'm going to declare every single day over myself because I'm not just a prisoner of the Lord. I'm his prized possession, and he wants to do something great and mighty through me. That's one of my affirmations. It's powerful when you begin to do these things because you'll begin to change through that. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this. We all know this verse, but look at it this way from the message. God can do anything. Some of you need to hear that. In 2019, I don't care what you're facing. God can do anything. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, church? God can do anything, you know? Far more than you could even imagine, guess, request, in your wildest dreams. When I saw that, I mean, I got fired up. I wanted to do like a holy ghost. Oh, oh, oh. Some of you old church people know what I'm talking about right there. I needed a B3 organ on that, but nobody was there. Dun, 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 dun. Sorry. There's a whole thing going on in my head right now, and it's fun. <clears throat> but some of you, some of you lost your dream. You, you, you stopped dreaming. You stopped dreaming. You stopped believing God for big things. You stopped asking, and you stopped imagining. And God has more than you could even ask or you could even imagine. You're not even asking, though, and you're not even imagining, and God has even more than that. You're down here. He's way up here. You need to dare to dream again. You need to ask God to kind of like quicken in you, like, you know, what am I believing God for? It will change your life if you start believing God for something. But some of you resigned, you quit, you had a couple setbacks, you know, instead of looking at them as setups. And so what happens a lot of times is there's two common mistakes in goal setting, and this is what sets us back. We set our goals too low. We overestimate what we can do in a, we, excuse me, yeah, we overestimate what we can do in a year. We're like, oh, I didn't get it done, so then we just give up. But we underestimate what we can maybe do in 10 years. It's so quiet in this Catholic church right now. <laughs> listen, listen, I need a little feedback right now, okay? See, I, I, I just use myself. I prayed uh, a little over a year and a half ago, and, and I believe God told me, and I was wrestling with this. I believe God told me, I, 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 want, I want you to believe for more. God wants to do more through you. And I was, I was just receiving this, and, he says, and, I, and I saw this whole multiplicative thing through our church. And some people are going to go with me on this journey, and some people won't, and that's okay. But I believe that it just wasn't supposed to be just us here at Ashland. We were supposed to be a multi-site, touching Framingham and other towns within our region. And so he showed me seven churches in 10 years. He was very specific about it. And I can remember when I heard that, I'm like, that's great, God, that's great, God. He goes, I want you to tell everybody that. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think I want to say that. Why don't I want to say that? Because what if it doesn't happen? But there's power in declaring and making this statement of faith. And so I came out with it. I said, I'm coming out with it again in 2019. Seven campuses in 10 years. We will touch many re, many, this whole region for God through Connect Church. Can I have an amen out there? And that goal started with a dream. And that dream began to change my daily activities, my perspective, the different directions and things that we're doing are all affected by just a goal. You guys need goals like that. Rome wasn't built in a day. An elephant's not eaten, you know, all at once. It's just, it's just bite after bite. And it's just inch after inch. And a lot of the things you're trying to accomplish are just line after line. But the cool thing about dreaming is it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything to dream. Start dreaming again. Matthew 9, 29. In a, in a nutshell, it's like nothing starts without a dream. Nothing. According to your faith, be it done unto you, it says in Matthew 9, 29. In other words, you determine what, you, kind of you more than God decide what's going to happen in your life. You more than God. In other words, he's not going to trump your free will agency, your ability to choose Goals are statements of faith. If it's according to your faith, be it done unto you. What, how are you exercising your faith to believe God for? What are you daring to dream for again? I had a giving goal this year. You can, this is just me. And I want to give more than last year. 
And so my wife and I talked about that, and we're working that kind of percentage thing out. And I remember putting it into a budget, and I'm putting the savings in, and I'm putting, you know, how am I going to pay for college, and I'm putting da, 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 all these different things there, and it came out more in the negative. And I go, hey, look at that. It's awesome. <laughs> Honestly, this just happened like, like, like seven, eight, nine, ten days ago. It seems like yesterday. And, and, and I remember just talking to her about this, and I'm just like, it's not, I don't know how we're going to do this. And God spoke to me right there while I was talking to my wife. Exactly. It's, it's going to take faith. It's going to take faith to do that. Well, I'm going to have to trim this. I'm going to do that. My natural mind says this, but goals. And so, you know what? We'll see, because I'm going to believe God for that. I'm going to have a goal for that. I'm going to believe God for that, all right? So here's this, the third thing. Everybody still with me? Number three, goals focus my energy. If you want to be effective, effective in life, the secret of effectiveness is your focus, is your focus. I used to say it like this years ago, the sharper you are, the sharper you are. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. You, just, you just have to get a little bit more precise in your prayers, a little bit more specific in your planning, a little bit more crystal clear in your vision, a little bit more crisp with your goals. The sharper you are, the sharper you are. Why is that important? Because the world is full of distractions. You are distracted. You're being distracted right now. Some of you are fasting right now, and your stomach's just saying, feed me. How much longer are we going like this? You know, and it's like my stomach's eating my stomach, you know, and... And some of you had a fight on the way here, and you still can't get over that, and you're steaming, and you're like, I hope he's paying attention to this mission, and you're going through that, and <laughs> you know what I mean? And some of you, well, that may, you're, you're mad about something I said 10 minutes ago, and you're not with us right now, and, and, and distractions, that's just right here. Never mind what happens when we get out there. Or the way. But everything, see, the thing about time is you don't have time to do everything, but not everything is worth doing. So you have to make your life matter. You have to do things that matter in 2019. And goals put you in a lane of proactive living, a purposeful, intentional living where you're doing the things that are most important. 1 Corinthians 9.26 says it like this. So I don't, I don't run without a goal. I don't run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting someone, not just the air. At my gym, I have some guys, they do a lot of that air boxing, you know, and they're, you know, you know bobbing and weaving around things, blah, blah, you know, and I'm like, what? And then I go up to them, I'm like, you, you got a fight coming up? They're like, no, 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 I don't have a fight coming up. And in my head, I'm thinking, I'll drop you right now. Because <laughs> you're doing nothing. All you're doing is just air fighting, air boxing. What is that? If you don't have a goal at the end of it, it's purposeless. A lot of people are doing that. We're just kind of, you know, high, you know, we're just high kicks, spins, all kinds of stuff. It means nothing. If there's not a goal on the end of it, you're going to get beat up by life if we don't have a goal in life. Can I have an amen? So I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm running with purpose. I run with a goal. I fight to win. Number four, goals keep me going. Goals keep me going. They give me hope to keep moving when I feel like giving up. They, they give me a determination, a stick-to-itiveness, and, and, and it helps me endure. It helps me kind of get through junk and the sludge of life and kind of kind of kind of gives me a pivot foot to life to be persistent, you know? And sometimes your goals don't have to be these just BHAG goals, these big, hairy, you know, crazy goals. They, they can just be just small incremental goals. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But if you don't have goals, then you actually do have a goal because somebody's making them for you. But if you don't have a goal, there's no reason to get out of bed. I don't get, I don't get why you get out of bed if you don't have a goal. You, you, we, we're, we're, we resort to or we default to infantile living. What, what do infants do? I, I know a little bit about this because I have a couple grandkids. But, I mean, infants, their whole life, they, get, they cry when they wake up. They have a poopy diaper, big old mess. Then after you clean them up, then you feed them. Then they play. Then they cry. And then you put them to sleep, repeat right? Listen, we're supposed to move from infancy to maturity. We're supposed to move from milk to solid food. The Bible, see, we can't, as Christians, we can't. That might be the greatest growth phase for the natural body of an infant, but it's not the greatest growth phase for you and I as adults and, ch and children of God. We're still, some of us, struggling to change our own messes. We're still struggling, some of us, to self-feed. I need somebody to feed me, put it in my mouth. Yeah, I don't like that. 
Some of us got food all over our face. We don't even have it inside us. We're not living what we've received. Some of us can't sit up. Some of us can't crawl. Some of us can't walk. We certainly can't carry anybody else on our back, even though the Bible tells us to carry the burdens of one another. Because, we're, because we don't have a goal. If you don't have a goal, you'll live like an infant. This is better preaching than you're responding right now, everybody. That's not life. That's existing. That's just existing. You're, not, you're called for more than that. Job chapter 6, verse 11. Look what he said. He said, but I don't have the strength to endure. Why? I do not have a goal that encourages me to carry on. See, if you're discouraged, some of you are. And I'm sorry about that, and I don't sound very sorry right now, but i got to get to the point, right? I can't pull out the violin right now, and I can't hold you and your hand and call you right now. I'm just saying, bottom line, at the end of the day, some of you discouraged, some of you depressed, some of you had problems and difficulties. That's true. I would just say keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Sit under the word. Let it, let it transform you. Let it change you. But ultimately, there's something down on the bottom there that's going to drive you, that's going to change you. It's going to be spiritual goals, are going to help you carry on. They're going to help you carry on. They're going to help you get through. There was a study done by people who survived the Holocaust, and they discovered that there was one common denominator they all had. Now, I don't think any of us have gone through a Holocaust, no matter what you're facing. But they had something to hope for. They were believing for something on the other side. They had a goal, and it was very visual and descript when they studied these people. They had a goal. And without a, without a goal, the rest of them gave up hope and lost their lives. Just so you can know, I can relate. In 2000, the year 2000 was my darkest year in ministry. And I was actually, behind the scenes, depressed. You didn't know it, but I knew it. My wife knew it. We went through a really, really hard time. And uh, I just wanted to, basically, I just wanted to quit. I, was, I wanted to quit. That's the, that's the reality. I was struggling with the church. I was mad because I just think people, I'm giving my whole life for people. They don't know it. They get mad at me when I don't call them. They get mad at me when I'm not there for them 24-7. And I was just whining and pining. And you don't even show up. And you give your life for them. You work here. And they're, they're here one day, gone the next. And go to another church. But I was, ah, I, was in a, I was in a bad place. It was ugly. Can I just be real with you guys? You can handle this? I'm not there today. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But I was depressed. But I had a friend who just said, you need some goals. You need some goals. I'm like, my goal is to survive this week. And he goes, okay, well, that's a start. That's a start. I mean, sometimes if you had surgery, your goal isn't to run a marathon. Your goal is to just sit up. Your goal is to get rid of that bedpan. Your goal is to be able to walk, you know, you know, in less time than what they said. So sometimes you just have to set these incremental goals and they'll change you. But goals are what got me out of 2000, the year 2000. And people helped me and came alongside me during that time. The truth is, all of us feel like giving I feel like giving up. You know, on a regular basis, every Monday I feel like giving up. I have PMS, post-message syndrome. You know, just like that message bit, you know what I mean? And nobody's lives were changed. Clearly, they didn't come back next week, you know what I mean? They said it was awesome, but they were lying. That's what people think. That's what people think. You know, that's what's going on, you know what I mean? But you know what? Goals get me going. So by Tuesday morning, thank God, you know, sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning, everybody, because I have a goal. Amen. Amen. The Bible says the righteous. My dad used to say it like this, Proverbs 24, 16. He used to say, the righteous fall seven times, and he'd go, but rise again. <laughs> Love when my daddy used to do that. <laughs> come on, come on. So if you don't have a goal, you will stop living before you actually die. And so long-term goals will keep you persistent through the short-term setbacks. And I've had many of those, and so have you. Some of you have debt, and you're trying to deal with the debt. You know, and so you want to tackle all the debt. That leads me to my next point. Write this down. Goals build my character. See, some of you, you're trying to overcome something. You try to overcome it too quickly, and then you fall right back into the same thing that you did before. Is everybody with me right now? Let me, let me apply it to money. This is what happens with money all the time. So people, 2019, I'm in debt. Why? Because you spent more money. You had a black belt and MasterCard during the holidays. Swipe, 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 swipe. Zorro, Zorro, Zorro. You know what I mean? And then January, hello, hello. This is Capital One, your best friend. How you doing? Bank of America, how you doing? You know, speed dial. 
And so there you are, and you're trying to get out of debt. So what did you do? You get a bonus. You're like, oh, I got to whack this. I got to whack. I just got to whale this thing away. And then you whale that whole thing away with your bonus. Now you don't have that bonus. And then eight weeks later, you're back in debt again. Why? Because you haven't changed your character. Then you get your tax return, and, and you do it again. And then you survive till Christmas and the new year when it all starts over again. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. Like I'm hitting some nerves in this house. Okay? And so the, that's not the answer. See, when we make our goals, God's trying to do something more incrementally through you. And it's the process of the goals that build us. Uh, write this down. This is a great thing for you to see. The greatest benefit of setting goals is not what you accomplish, but what you become as a result of the process. In other words, while you're working on the goal... God's working on you. While you're working on the goal, God's working on you. That's, you're not going to take any of those things with you anyway, by the way, in your, in your worldly goals. The only thing you're going to take with you is your character to heaven. Okay? And so uh, it's so important in finances, we'd say pay the smallest debt first, put some money aside, little emergency savings, eventually get some liquid money available, make sure that your account and budget's fat. You know what I mean? So when another hardship comes, another adversity, the storms come, you don't have to go tap into your credit card again and repeat the cycle. It's just like we sometimes think, I just got to work hard, just got to work hard, just got to work hard. We're not, we, we need goals that build our character, everybody. And so without, see, if you, how can I say this? If you never become, you will never become what God intends without intention, without intentionality. It's not just going to happen by accident. You're not just going to drift into success. How'd you become successful? I just, I just, I just floated into it. You know what I mean? I just ziplined into it. You know what I mean? I just slippery slided into it. No, it doesn't happen. It was a choice. There were certain decisions. There were things you had to say no to, things you, so you could say things yes to things. You won't drift towards transformation. Number six, got to move on. Goals will be rewarded. Goals will be rewarded. I will say this. Godly goals will be blessed. There's two ways that goals are rewarded. They're rewarded in heaven, in eternity. So there's a lot of things you're doing now, and life is a test. It is a temporary assignment. How you manage this life is going to influence how you are rewarded in the next. You're going to get there one day, and there's going to be a reward ceremony, and there's going to be all these people in the crowd, and some of you are going to get called out of the crowd for rewards, and some of you are just going to be clapping. That's awesome. Man, I really missed out. What a doofus. And so... You want to live this life for rewards in heaven. But you also can get rewarded in this life by people, by people. Now, I believe everybody wants to be respected, yes or no. See, I don't want affluence more than I want influence. I want, uh, and, and I know for, for, for me to have influence, I have to have integrity. I have to be respected. I have to be respected. So we celebrate a lot of times big goals, God, kind of good goals. But what really influences people is those goals, that what, really, what really changes the world is those goals that are God goals. See, we think about people like Martin Luther. Why do we celebrate him? Because his goals influenced so many people and changed and transformed a culture. Why do we, I believe most of you who were here last week, how many loved Pastor John and Rachel here last week? Wasn't that amazing? <clears throat> I think we respected them. I think that's what was happening. Why did you respect them? Because their goals. They had a goal to set, literally set people free from slavery, the brick kilns and the bondages that they were in. They had a goal to help people eternally. Uh, in a country that many of us don't think about, sometimes we have different attitudes towards, they wanted to see as many of those people come to Jesus as possible because they know God loves them too just as much as he loves us. And we respected them for that. In 1 Corinthians 9.25, the Bible says, actually, let me back up, look at this. Proverbs 11.27, I don't know if that's in your notes. But it says this, if your goals are good... You will be respected, but if you're looking for trouble, that is what you'll get. See, we want respect. we got to have good or godly goals. Then what happens is, 1 Corinthians 9.25, all athletes are disciplined, and they practice strict control, but they do it to win a prize that will quickly fade away. We do it an eternal prize. So I run straight toward the goal. Everybody say the goal. With purpose in every step. So we need to have purposeful steps. Know these six reasons to set goals. I think you probably agree with them. The question is, why don't we do them? There are probably many reasons why we don't do them, but I would submit to you the number one reason we don't set goals is fear of failure. We're afraid that if I step, that's why I didn't want to say seven campuses in 10 years, because I'm in front of a lot of people, and if that doesn't happen, I'm afraid what you're going to, I was afraid, I was afraid what you would think about that. But you know what? It's better to declare something by faith than to live in fear. 
It's better to declare something by faith than to continue to live in fear. What a terrible way to live. Just living under that fear, 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 fear. Listen, if, you're, if, if, you, if you live in fear, you'll never accomplish anything great for God. Failure is not bad. I failed a lot. Just ask my wife. You know, and, and it's like, it just you got to learn from trial. Learn from, look at it as, don't look at it as failure. Look at it as an education. Some of you great leaders are highly educated. Because you failed a lot. Because you failed a lot. Failure is the door to success. And so it's always too soon to quit. Always too soon to quit. Failure is not final. It's not final. I think if you're a business owner, you should learn to fail fast, by the way. You know, there's a great scripture in Joshua 1.8 about that. Great, great principle. <coughs> just that didn't work. That didn't work. It's just you're just being educated. But whatever you do in your goals that's done in love, it's motivated by love, you can't fail. The Bible says love never fails. So anything you do that's born out of or motivated by love, that's a success. That's a success, everybody. And some of you are afraid to step out and move from loving to, to really begin to love God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. Some of you are struggling to move forward to become kind of a life learner and really get in to become a disciple. And some of you are struggling to become a disciple of disciples. But God wants you to move forward. But the best way to move forward is you're going to have to establish some goals in order to be able to change. So let me give you three filters quickly for your goals. Write these down. This will happen super fast. Here they are on the screen. Will, if you want to know if it's a goal that will be blessed, how do I know if it's a good goal, it's a goal that will be blessed by God, will this goal honor God? What kind of goal honors God? Goals that serve, goals that love, goals that show we trust him more. There's tons of scriptures on this, but the Bible says to use our bodies to honor God. Anything we should do, we should do it to honor God. And so as you go into the establishment of your goals, I'm not telling you what your goals should be. I'm telling you why you should have goals, the motivate, motivation for those. But make sure that your goals honor God. Make sure that your goals are motivated by love. I was, a lot of times I, I, I saw this thing on Facebook, and the guy said, what's, what's going to be your top goal for 2019? And the guy said, I knew in a second to make more money than last year. And see, that just, ch just checked me in my spirit because I knew this filter says, listen, if goals are motivated by ego, materialism, competition, greed, envy, uh, whatever that, whatever, if, that, if that's the motive, then it's not going to be blessed. It needs to be motivated by love, not materialism. Can I have an amen out there? We do everything according to 1 Corinthians 16, 14, motivated by love. Because if you don't do things motivated by love, then you will treat people as projects and you will use them. But when you're motivated by love, love blesses while we're going on to achieve our goals. Can I get an amen out there? Third thing is, will this goal require dependence upon God? Listen, if you don't have a goal that requires you to trust God, depend on God, it's not a goal, it's an idea. It's just an idea. I looked at, I looked at different things and I just said, you know what? This is easy for me to understand. Well, then it's probably not God. You need to have a few goals in your life where you're, you're bound to fail if God, doesn't, if God doesn't come through for you. You need to kind of back yourself into a corner once in a while and just say, I'm choosing to trust you. If you don't come through, this isn't going to happen. And I'm, I'm putting myself into a corner. And you better see that this year will be an, a year where God is in your corner because you put yourself in that corner believing God for great things. Can I have a better amen from this church right now? That was a moment for you to say amen. So how do we accomplish our goals? Well, we're going to need his help, right? There's a scripture in Proverbs 3, Philippians 3, excuse me. Philippians, it says, it's 2.13, I'm sorry for all those confusion. Philippians 2.13, it says, in a nutshell, it basically says that for God is working in you, giving you both the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He gives you both the desire and the power so you can do what's pleasing to him. In other words, the principle is, if he gave you the will to do it, he'll give you the ability to do it. Do you see that? That was just one of those pearls of wisdom. Hopefully it didn't bounce off your head. No, hopefully it's like, ting. So if he gave you the will to do it, he'll give you the ability to do it. Say that with me. If he gave me the will to do it, he'll give me the ability to do it. Amen. Stand your feet. I want to pray for you guys. Did you get something out of that today? <laughs> Hallelujah. We want to set some goals here in 2019. With every head bowed, every eye closed, please no moving around. Be very, 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 very still. It's a few leaders that had to get up, but other than that, just be still. If you could close your eyes for me, that'd be great. I want to say this to you. God has a goal for you. He wants you to grow. He wants you to move from glory to glory, faith to faith. 
And I'm just going to encourage you in a prayer to grow. But also, there's some of you here, God has a goal, and he wants to fill a God-sized hole in your heart. And you're here today, and there's something in you that's missing. That's why you're here. That's why you were drawn here. That's why you came here. You're starting a new year, and you're just like, I just need something. There's something missing in my life. Maybe you have a nice car and a beautiful home and a good-looking family and money in the bank. That's great, but you know there's something still missing. There's a God-sized hole in your heart that only he can fill. I know I was there, and many people in this room were there at one time. If you've never asked God into that part, into your heart, that's why God sent his son to fill that, to meet that need, to change you from the inside out. It's not an outside in, sir, ma'am. It's an inside out. If you know he's speaking to you right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to say, that's me. I'd like you to pray for me. Would you raise your hand? That's me. There's a God-sized hole in my heart. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anybody? God bless you over there. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Good and high, so don't miss it. Thank you. Thank you. It's like three right here, everybody, just so you know. Thank you over there. That's so, I thank you for your courage. That's awesome. That's all. I see your hand, sir. Ma'am, thank you. Yep, I see you guys over there. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you for your courage way over there. Thank you for that. It's awesome. So proud of you. What a great way to start your year. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Those of you just raised your hand, and those of you who have done this before, would you join them in prayer? And would you just all say this out loud together? They're going to join you, but those that raise your hand, say this. Say, Jesus, today, 2019, is a line where I'm crossing over. I'm transferring my trust from me to Jesus. I pray that you come into my life and that you fill that hole in my heart that nothing up to this date has been able to fill. Change me. Transform me. I no longer conform to this world, but to the ways of God. Help me to do that. Give me the desire and the power. If you willed me to do it, you'll give me the ability to do it. Now, Father, I pray for every person who prayed that prayer sincerely right now that something supernatural happened on the inside of them. They're changed. They're a new person in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. They're not who they were. They're somebody new. They haven't worked it all out. They're not perfect, but they're being made perfect because the power of the gospel is at work inside of them. And for everybody else, Lord, I pray that you help them to establish goals that go through those filters and they realize the same thing, that God has given them the desire and the power to accomplish it in Jesus' mighty name. And all the church said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Come on up, Jason. God bless you guys.